Rainmaker FM. This podcast is brought to you by Copyblogger.com. Words that work. Build your online authority with powerfully effective content marketing. Get superior content marketing education so you can build a remarkable online presence. Head over to copyblogger.com to learn more. That's copyblogger.com. Hey there and welcome. My name is Brian Clark. This is Copyblogger FM. I am here with Daryl Vesterfeld. And if you do not know who Daryl is, then you did not listen to the last episode of Copyblogger FM. And that was that was an important episode, Daryl. Should we just tell them to go listen to that? Or do you want to tell people who you are real quick, just in case? We'll give them the Cliff Notes version. And uh, I am the new partner at Copyblogger, long story short. And headline B to that headline is Brian's back in town and on the podcast, which is exciting. We, we did summarize that episode pretty quickly, but just a bit more detail. If you missed it, go back and listen to the episode called What's Next for Copyblogger Media. You'll get the scoop on what's happening with everyone and, what, and kind of what the go forward plan is, which we are proceeding with each and every week on this podcast, on the blog, behind the scenes, pretty much everywhere. Yeah. So what do you want to talk about today, Brian? I've got email on my mind, which it usually is. I've got email <laughs> on my mind and my mind on my money or, or something. I, I think that's it. But that's the key, though. Email really is the money when it comes to what we do uh, with digital marketing, entrepreneurship, business building, content marketing, uh, the best environment for our copy that actually converts people from prospects into customers. So just in case anyone is trying to dredge up that recurring idea that this will finally be the year that email dies, the indications are, Daryl, that we're not even close to that point. And it, it just may never happen, but never say never, but right now into the near future, email is the most important thing that you can focus on as far as audience building and building a business that does a great job, again, of converting people into customers and clients for you. Yeah, and these are conversations I have with my clients, both authoritative and authentic, almost every single day. Well, what do we do next? Because it feels like email is not important anymore. And you and I have done quite a bit of research over the last little bit and have pulled up some really amazing stats from a blog uh, blog post on HubSpot. Uh, do you want to talk through some of those statistics and, and share? It seems like email's not only not going away, but it might actually be building steam and getting even stronger. Yeah, there's some pretty interesting factoids. Why don't you run through those? Because I think uh, if people are not familiar with the current data on how important email is in general and specifically to entrepreneurs, marketers, et cetera, then they may be a little surprised. Yeah. So we've got seven points here that we we pulled from this blog post on HubSpot. And number one is 99% of consumers check their email every single day. Did that surprise you? 
Not at all. Every single day. How about every single 15 <laughs> minutes? <laughs> well, we'll skip down to another one here. People spend 5.6 hours per day checking their email, which is up almost 30 minutes from 2017. That's my favorite. And I don't think that came from the HubSpot page. That was one I had. But it's just an indication that if email were ever going to have to a chance to to die or or be diminished, people would have to stop using it more. But what we're seeing is people are checking it and using it more than ever. And, you know, there's a lot of reasons, but email was the original killer app. Um, it's our primary digital communication vehicle. It's, you know, baked into work. It's baked into uh, just everything. And as much as we like to text and and use chat apps and stuff like that, it's almost like it's supplemental. It doesn't really break into our email time. It's just something else that we do on top of it. Yeah, and that shifts all the time too, depending on what the new trendy app might be. I know that you are still old school and like Twitter, uh, but many people spend hours you know, moving from Twitter to Instagram and Instagram to Snapchat and Snapchat to some of these other amazing things, whatever, whatever Gary Vee and some of these other leading edge social media people are talking about, it feels like that trend shifts a lot while email uh, has stayed really strong in the background and isn't really disrupted by whatever the new trendy social media or app communication uh, is right now. Yeah. And I mean, frankly, I just, I don't know if I'm old school. I just don't have time. I like to, <laughs> I like to glance at Instagram as a diversion for about 30 seconds and then, you know, you got to get back to work. But Speaking of work and email, I mean, okay, this is a stat from the Direct Marketing Association, which, of course, uh, is a big part of what email is about. And it's for every $1 you invest in email marketing, you get an ROI of 40 in return. I mean, that's pretty significant. That No sane business person can ignore a fact like that. And then, of course, to your point, email remains 40% better at conversion than social media. And that makes sense because email is a place where people are doing business and you only let someone into your inbox if it's something that's important to you. And I think that's kind of a key that we need to elaborate on a bit today. So it's, it's not that email is less important. It's that I think we all have to up our game to be allowed in there, which has been the case for a long time. But I'd say that's probably more important than ever. One quick note on that. You said 40% better. It's actually 40 times better at converting oh, people. Uh, yeah, I'm, I, I was told there would be no math. So you knew I would <laughs> screw something up. But yes, 40 times is a very bit different thing than 40%. Good. I'm glad you caught that. Yeah. Two, two other kind of interesting factoids here. Uh, more than 50% of U.S. respondents check their email account more than 10 times a day, which kind of goes back to that usage time of people on email. Another one, and this is a conversation I have all the time as well, is 73% of millennials prefer communication from businesses to come via email. And I thought that was very interesting also. Yeah, it's the, there's so many misconceptions um, I think about you know, it's always the kids aren't going to do this or that, you know, and we keep busting these myths. And, and I, I remember seeing this stat uh, a little while ago that millennials 
No, they actually, they're all right with email. Uh, just like they're okay with reading text and don't need everything in video format. All these assumptions and misconceptions that have kind of come along and been shot down have, it's really kind of paid off for those of us like you and I who just stay the course, emails the thing, uh, make it your focus and and succeed. Yeah, I had a conversation with a, a, a person today, one of my potential clients, and we were having this exact conversation. And there's a recency bias, I think, to all these new fangled tactics that come out. And they asked me very directly, what, what should we be investing time? And I said, email. And that was to their surprise. But the more that we dive into it, Brian, and you and I have had conversations like this for months, the more that we dive into it, the data suggests it. And then we have a lot of amazing anecdotes that I, I'm excited to dive into uh, that support it as well. Some really amazing companies that are, are coming up with a very strong focus on not just email marketing, uh, but creating value around the email itself, which is really uh, a fun conversation for us to dive into. Yeah, and that's, uh, that's a philosophy that uh, kind of uh, mirrors what, what I'm, where I'm at now in making email the thing. So to your earlier point, shiny object syndrome. I mean, everyone, everything changes so quickly that people just assume, well, this email thing, which I actually started with in 1999, and I feel like it's, you know, 20 years later, it's still, it's even more central to the, you know, for example, uh, further and unemployable and your boulder, my other projects, uh, other than copy blogger. I mean, that's really the key. Email is the thing, but it really takes a little bit of uh, work and creativity to figure out not to create some sort of bribe or lead magnet. Now, I'm not saying those things aren't valuable. They are. But if you're only giving someone something to get their email address and what you follow up with is not anticipated and useful and desired, you're really not accomplishing your objective, right? I mean, the goal here is to make the regularly scheduled delivered email from you the thing that holds the bulk of the value. And I think that's a little bit different because there is a big focus uh, among people that are really focused on sales funnels and, and more short-term gain type of things that they're not really thinking through, are my messages going to be anticipated and valued by the subscriber? And if not, you're really shooting yourself in the foot. You're not building something long-term. Yeah, I agree. Tell us a little bit more about what you're doing with Further, because I think that's a really interesting case study and anecdote about what we want to dive into here next, talking about making the email the value proposition itself. Well, yeah, Further is essentially you know, kind of a hybrid of curation and summarization in the sense that we condense a larger story or the intersection of several stories into 350 to 450 words. And, and trust me, people, that is a writing exercise in itself. It's harder than you think, but it's also fun. And once, you, once, I, you know, once I've gotten into the groove of it, I really enjoy it. Some days when I, it all just comes together and I can write something that's really pretty good really quickly. Um, 
But the, the, the thing about further is the email newsletter itself is the value proposition. There's no ethical bribe. There's no lead magnet. It's the newsletter itself. And it's highly targeted at a very specific, and in this case, underserved audience. Um, Further's about basically thriving at midlife, but who's at midlife right now? It's Generation X. So, you know, we're, we're like called the forgotten generation and everyone ignores us and the media leaves us out between the boomers and millennials like we don't even exist. So once I figured out that's who I wanted to talk to, the audience is just growing like crazy. And, and so again, you, you see that the email is the thing. There's no blog there's no podcast. You know, you could you could add these things later if you wanted to, but that's not the thing. And you might be surprised to learn that with no, you know, bribe or lead magnet, my opt-in rates are between 12 and 20%, which is like off the charts, you know, yeah, for, for email opt-ins, right? Now, on the other hand, unemployable is in a very competitive space you know, serving freelancers and entrepreneurs. And I'm going to have to take a different approach there. I probably am going to lead with some sort of email course that lays the groundwork and and differentiates that site and, and my philosophy from others uh, because the opt-in rate there is more what you would expect, like 5 or 6%, which isn't terrible, but we're, you're always trying to increase your value proposition to where more people are saying yes, but also the content that they receive is anticipated and valued. So your open rates are 40 or 50%, which is also the case with further and unemployable. I mean, if you're just looking at the size of your list in 2019 and going forward, it, it's really meaningless. What's the engagement? Who who are the people that are really interested in what you have to say? Because when it, has, when it comes time to sell something, that's the actual size of your list, right? The people who don't open and don't click and don't engage might as well not even be there, but you're still paying for them. So that's something to consider. Yeah. What are some other examples of uh, emails like Further that you, you've been paying attention to recently? Uh, I'm a big fan of like Dave Pell's Next Draft. Again, it's a it's a daily summary of the news that's often humorous and biting, and and Dave is the king of the subhead pun. He makes me jealous sometimes how witty his subheads are because <laughs> I've always tried to emulate emulate him, and he does it every single day. The Hustle is a great example uh, and a very successful one at that. Sam Parr, I interviewed him in the past, and you know, his his whole concept is the email newsletter as a media company. And you know I love that because, again, media, not marketing. Whatever your business model, it's got to be something people want, which generally media content is, not what they're trying to avoid, which is generally marketing. You know, I mean, it's a pretty good deal if you're creating marketing so good that people actually look forward to it. And that's really what we're talking about here. Um, there's another newsletter that's kind of modeled after the hustle called morning brew. It's more of a general business thing. The skim is aimed, aimed at millennial women. 
And all these are examples effectively of, of curation more than original content, but they bring voice and personality um, to the news that they're reporting. I mean, when you think about it, the evening news or your local newspaper is nothing more than curating the news. So it's a different mindset. It's not a, com- a move completely away from original content. But like f- with Further, I only write original pieces when I see a compelling need to. Like there's a chance to fill in the gaps, to connect the dots for the audience between what's out there in the world and what has been left unsaid. And when you compare that to, oh God, I got to write a blog post. What am I going to write about? I mean, that's night and day because you have an incentive and motivation and a true purpose for this content that you create. And you'll find that's the stuff that's your home run stuff. That's what resonates with your audience. So therefore, that's the type of content that you should be creating, not, oh God, I got to put something out just because I blog every week. Yeah, and this isn't just these large sites either, like The Skim, which has 7 million subscribers, or uh, The Hustler, Morning Brew. Uh, There's a small company that came out of Y Combinator two years ago called Substack, and they have 50,000 paying customers. Uh, And Substack's just a very simple, if you go to the site, you'll you'll probably be a little even unimpressed with what the site looks like. But the whole point of this is there's 50,000 people who are paying members trying to build uh, revenue from a email newsletter, like some of these larger things like the Hustle, Morning Brew, and, and the Skim. Wait, so is it a platform for people to create their own titles? Yeah, yeah. Exactly. Okay, so so yeah, it's different from those titles because those are, you know, like Dave, huge. like Dave Pell has a WordPress site and I, I forget what, I think he uses MailChimp. You know, it, it's really, this isn't complicated. So I wonder no. who, what... Now, what value do you see in in Substack? Why do you think it's catching on with people when it is kind of easy to create your own newsletter? I think it's just I think it's just easy. I think they make it really easy for you to have the the payment option be connected to the email oh, or things I see. like okay. Mailchimp and ConvertKit and things you'd have to you'd have to set up a WordPress site or something similar to have a payment option. And I don't necessarily suggest or recommend this tool. I have a few clients who have used it in the past, but more to the fact that there's 50,000 people in the last 2 years who have signed up trying to build content like this newsletter where the email is the value proposition. And it is the thing being sold, not just the tool to sell other things, which I think is yeah, very interesting. That's fascinating. I mean, if I've never tried to just sell a newsletter, um, but wouldn't that be like the ideal business for someone like you or me? <laughs> I mean, we're just like that because that's what we do anyway. And then, of course, we're figuring out what else it is that we can sell people, which, of course, email is incredibly valuable for. Uh, yeah, uh, those are huge titles. I mean, some of these email newsletters are just getting huge and, and they're they're getting funding and they're treated like, you know, like Parr said, it's a media company. It just happens to be based around email. And I think if none of those other stats impressed you, then that should catch your attention. Um, but there's another email newsletter that I subscribe to that's about 9,000 people, you know, good, respectable size called Pod News, and it's thriving. You know, you just got to you gotta pick your niche and, and realize what is the value proposition for 
people who are inundated with too much information who are trying to avoid clickbait with you know shallow content certainly trying to avoid fraudulent news poorly researched crap i mean there's a lot of great content out in the world but there's still room for people who can find the great content but also contribute to it with their own editorial voice and that that's really where my head is at these days with with a, if i were starting something new and and you can see it reflected in in the newer projects that i've done and i think that's the paradigm shift that we're talking about a little bit here is that email is not just a marketing tool it's so much more than that and the future of email is so much more than it just being an automated sales funnel or a tool to help sell during a launch. There's so much more that goes into it. It really is like these companies, like the Skim is an example, $14 million in funding raised with 7 million subscribers. Like it's truly a media company based around email, which I think is, is the whole idea here that we're talking about. The paradigm shift is email is so much more than a marketing tool. It really is. And you know, uh, the flip side of it, you know, we've always had, you know, since well before I started CopyBlogger, the internet marketing world that tends to cater more to the the quick buck. And, you know, the thing that captures everyone's imagination in, in that world is create a sales funnel, you know, pitch some affiliate products and and get rich. And we know that doesn't happen. I mean... You know, some people use sales funnels are, are absolutely uh, crucial as part of a larger strategy. But by themselves, I think that's someone being kind of sold a bill of goods, you know, and, and maybe you, you get a little side hustle, you get some extra cash, fine. But that's that's not the kind of businesses that, that you and I are, are talking about and encouraging other people uh, to build. But to your point about, email being so much more. I mean, modern marketing beyond content, audience, and and copy is really about data and uh, analytics and automation. You have to have those elements to compete these days because they help you understand at a more intimate level who you're talking to. And that's the ball game for me. If you really understand your audience, then you're going to be able to figure out how to better serve them you're going to figure out what it is that keeps them awake at night. You're going to figure out what they want to buy, not by asking them, but by observing, right? Daryl, talk a little bit about segmentation, because I know it, you're really strong in that stuff, both from your days at ConvertKit and in general. Are we seeing people that are still resistant to segmenting at this point, and why would that be a mistake? I, I, yes, there are people who are re resistant to segmentation. And I want to say this really quickly, just because email is more than a marketing tool doesn't mean that email isn't also a great marketing tool. Uh, so it's like kind of the inverse just because, uh, you know, the whole square and quadrilateral thing, but it still is an amazing tool, which goes back to some of these data points. And one of the data points that I didn't mention is that marketers who use segmented campaigns noted as much as 760% increase in revenue. So segmentation is huge. And I think there's a resistance, and I've never quite understood why there's a resistance to segmentation. Somebody who does segmentation really well is Pat Flynn, and he's used tools like ConvertKit to do that really well, to talk to the people where they're at. And I think it's really important to do. 
I think segmentation might be a word that feels like automation and segmentation kind of both together sound like words that are a little cold, uh, a little clinical maybe. And I think that's maybe the resistance to things like segmentation and automation. Uh, But to me, those are amazing tools to be able to meet people where they're at, talk to people very specifically, very directly, instead of just blasting everybody, assuming that they have the same desires, needs, and they're in the same position. Yeah. I mean, segmentation is just the digital way to treat people as individuals. Like if you had a bricks and mortar uh, retail store and you had perhaps uh, a young mother uh, on one side of the store and then you had an elderly gentleman on the other side of the store and, and maybe you knew them because you live in a community with them, you, have, you know certain things about him, you know certain things about her, would you talk to them exactly the same? Of course no. not. That would be inhuman. And yet, I th- a lot of creative people, I think, object to things like segmentation because they're like, well, that's just so cold and data-driven. No, it's just understanding people as a better human being. That's what we're trying to do. We're trying to replicate the real world in the best way we can uh, with these digital tools we have. you got to know who you're talking to. And we do this intuitively. Like we just do this intuitively. Like we talk to our grandmothers differently than we do our cousins. We talk to somebody we know differently than somebody we don't know. These are things that we all do intuitively. We create more context for maybe people we've met one time. And so I think segmentation and automation allow you to create really crafted messages to people exactly where they're at. And I, I've been on this soapbox, Brian, since I start my time starting at ConvertKit and even before that that it's so important. Like we all want to be better people. We all want to talk to people exactly where they're at. And we wouldn't talk to somebody on our email list or somebody that we just met the same way that somebody who's been on our list for five years or 10 years, somebody we have a longstanding relationship. You're able to use a shorthand and code uh, that's just intuitive in our human nature. And these tools and things like ConvertKit, which is a tool that we really highly recommend uh, for segmentation and automation, allow you to do what we automatically do intuitively with just a little bit of strategy behind it and communicate to people where they're at. Yeah, and so when you take into account that as a general channel, email is the undisputed champion of conversion, you know, getting people to take action, to buy, etc. So when you all, all you're doing when you segment is changing the way you speak to different people within the audience. And I'm pretty sure that's why you see that 760% increase, right? Because again, think about it as if you're in the real world. If you talked, if you had a great product, right, that just everyone was beating down your door to get, you would sell a lot of them just even if you treated everyone exactly the same because they really want it. But if you added the extra touch of, pers- you know, a personalized human interaction with people based on what you know about them, those people would not only buy, but they'll come back and buy from you again and again. That's the goal. So, And something you said on our episode last week is that trust is the king. And I thought that has stuck with me all week long. And that is so true. And one way to lose trust with your audience is to speak to them as if they're in a place that they're not. 
And I, I mentioned this person before, but Pat Flynn does this so well with his content where he segments people who are beginners in business online and people who are experts. And it's just a really simple segmentation. But if you start talking to a beginner like they're an expert, you start losing that trust really quickly and vice versa. If you talk to an expert like they're a beginner, you start losing their trust very quickly as well. So it's so it doesn't have to be complex. It doesn't have to be, you know, millennial women who live in the West Coast. Like you don't have to get that granular with segmentation, although you can. It can be really simple. And this is not a complicated thing. This is something that we we just know how to do. And putting some of these things into practice doesn't take a lot of time, but allows you to build that trust, which then speaks to some of these other lagging things like conversion rates, increased conversion rates, and things like really cool tools that I know that you know a lot about, like write message and things that allow you to build data environments around content and segmentation is really cool too. Talk to me a little bit about uh, what you're thinking about how we can either gather data here to serve our audience and build trust as well. Well, you know, I think we're going to get more into true personalization. The technology is now there, and Right Message proves that it's affordable uh, for small businesses. Uh, you know, w- most personalization technology is very, very expensive, and it's enterprise grade. Um, but the problem Right Message has run into, I just read a update from Brennan that you know, they're really having to educate people. So you can imagine if people are balking at the process of segmentation, which is just really attaching a little note to someone's name that says, this person likes this. They're interested in this topic. You know, they, they responded to one, you know, a survey I did and they told me this. I mean, how is that not, not only useful, but human? So we're heading more in this direction, but until you're, you're willing to do that, add that human touch to your email subscribers as individuals, instead of treating them as an undifferentiated mass, you're not going to be able to take advantage of more of these advanced tools. So I think it's taking everyone longer to just say, oh, this isn't hard. The tools are very powerful and they're very uh, affordable now, but uh, we're, we're getting there. And, and everyone learns this lesson. I'm glad you brought up Pat Flynn because I don't know if you remember this, but this always stuck with me because Pat started podcasting early, you know, during that, that just wide open time around 2010 and just kept growing. And he had this massive podcast audience but I re- I'll always remember Pat telling the story of I didn't realize it took me a while to figure out that I needed to put that audience on email, right? And that's when his business just, I mean, just really took off beyond podcast sponsorships or affiliate mentions on his show. That's when his business took off. And now it sounds like Pat is super sophisticated with email marketing because he understands all the returns. Similar story, Joe Paluzzi, Content Marketing Institute. He's a guy who convinced me in 2008 to call what I've been talking about on Copyblogger content marketing, right? And even he at the time thought email's not a thing. I remember having conversations with it. And now if you look at Joe, Joe is the biggest advocate for email marketing, you'll see he's like, goal number one, 
get someone on an email list. So I guess this kind of takes us full circle back to the point we made earlier, which is if that's the case, make email the thing. Mm-hmm. Instead, you know, I'm not saying don't blog or don't podcast or whatever. I'm saying why are you doing it? Do you have a very specific strategic intention, you know, b- uh, about how that benefits your your first goal of getting someone on an email list? Because that that really is it. Search is much tougher these days. Social media distribution is now pay to play. So all your efforts should be focused on getting that email subscriber, which in my mind means start thinking, as we said earlier, the email newsletter as media company. Yeah. And I, and I think that's a great, not only a great starting point for the next leg of whatever you're working on, uh, but I think it's also fairly good ending point for this episode because I have a feeling we're going to dive into this a lot deeper in the future. Yeah, we are, we are. This is going to be one of our our talking points. Email is going to be a massive pillar of what we're talking about uh, in this new season at Copy Blogger. And I'm sure that we'll have people like Brennan and Pat on the show to even hear uh, stories and anecdotes about how some of this stuff has played out and what they're even thinking about in the future. So uh, not only, Brian, will you and I dive into conversations, but uh, we'll have some amazing people like these guys uh, on the show talking more specifically about uh, segmentation, how it's used in the marketplace, uh, to see that it's not as intimidating as it might seem, and to see how human it actually makes your brand. And just uh, out of equal opportunity, I know some badass women in email marketing, and we're going to have them on the show too. <laughs> I know I know you're using guys generically, but some people pop to mind who I've been watching the kind of stuff that they do. And uh, yeah, there, there are some really smart people out there in the world of email marketing who understand email is central, and that's how they're proceeding and growing and, and doing new things. So yeah, I'm really looking forward to this. Of course, we're going to talk about copywriting. We're going to talk about, uh, I think, a new approach to creating the right kind of content as opposed to tons of content, right? Yeah. Uh, just be more strategic in our content creation. We're going to talk about other elements of conversion. Just really getting down to the, the brass tacks of what matters as we approach 2020 and beyond. Is that a good ending place? <laughs> I guess so. <laughs> it's a dr- I didn't know what, just, I didn't know what just, to say. Just full stop on that one, right? Yeah, I, just, I was like, I don't know what to say to that, but it sounds like a good ending place. <laughs> well, yeah, we could tell Kel- Kelton, to, Kelton, just do what you want. Either take out the space and then add this after part or just cut it off right there. Go to music. <laughs> yeah, whatever, whatever makes sense. <laughs>